Well, we're in the middle of this sermon series, Riding Out the Rapids. I've suggested that 2020 to me feels a lot like a whitewater rafting expedition. Maybe it started out smooth and slow and calm for you, but all of a sudden we got caught up in rapids and we were beginning to wonder, could we stay in the raft? Would we be swept away? And when you're whitewater rafting, there's always a guide in the boat that says that if you listen to me, there's a really good chance you're going to come out on the other side of the rapid and you're going to be okay. And in the midst of these turbulent times that we're living in, uh, we have a guide. And perhaps if we turn to that guide's word and listen to it, uh, we're going to be okay. We'll get through these rapids together. That's sort of been the basis of the sermon series. Uh, we're back in the Old Testament today. We're in the book of Jonah, um, one of my favorite biblical stories. Uh, the word of the Lord came to Jonah, told him to go to Nineveh and to preach against that city and those people for their wickedness. And you might think that Jonah, being a prophet of God and, and doing what prophets do, would relish the opportunity to go to Nineveh and to share the word of the Lord with them. But that's not the case in our text. Many people suggest that the word Jonah should be translated dove, um, believer and follower of faithfulness. And yet, Jonah is anything but faithful here. Instead of going northeast to Nineveh like he was told to do, he turns and he takes a southwest flight. He goes southwest to Joppa. And what Jonah is about to find out is that there is no place where God is not. That you cannot outrun God. He goes in the exact opposite direction of the way that he was supposed to go, and he gets onto a boat in Joppa headed for Tarshish. But what we know is that he has not outrun God. The text says that God hurled a great wind against that sea and created a terrible, terrible storm. Now, there are sailors on this boat who have probably been sailing for their entire lives and have probably seen lots of storms and probably don't easily get rattled by the storms when they see them. They've seen so many. And yet this storm is so vicious, so raging that the sailors get terrified. And we're told that all of those sailors begin to pray to their own gods. Now, that's an important part of the story because it tells us that these were not God's chosen people, these sailors. These were not Israelites. These were not people who worshipped the one true God. When they got scared and frightened for their life, they began to cry out to their own gods for salvation. But nothing happened. And so then we're told those same sailors began to take the cargo that was on the boat and toss it overboard in the hopes that that would increase their chances of survival. And Siri liked something that I said, said, I'm sorry, I couldn't hear that. So, um, so um, they throw the cargo overboard and, and, and they thought that might help them to, to, to survive. And it didn't help at all. 
And so it's at this point in the story that the captain goes down and he finds Jonah asleep in the bottom of the boat. I think the fact that Jonah is in the bottom of the boat is important because once again, it might illustrate just how intent Jonah is to get as far away from God as he can, as far away from what God is doing as he can. And so he is in the very bottom of the boat and he's asleep. When the captain gets down there, you might wonder, well, why is he going to ask Jonah, why are you asleep or how can you be asleep? But that's not the question that he asked Jonah. Uh, some scholars say that the word sleep there should be translated that death like trance that happens just before you die. The captain doesn't ask Jonah, why are you sleeping or how could you sleep? The captain instead commands Jonah, why don't you pray to your God so that something might happen and this storm might cease? It's as if he's saying, we've already tried praying to our gods. We've already tried to throw stuff overboard. Why don't you pray to your God and see if something happens? Ironically enough, though, Jonah does nothing. He doesn't pray. Meanwhile, the, soul, the sailors are still on top of the uh, uh, on the top and they're trying everything that they can do to 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 stop the storm or to get safely to shore. And we're told that they began to cast lots. Now, the scripture never really tells us what that process is. What does it mean to cast lots? What does it look like? But what the text does say is that when they cast those lots, that the lot fell on Jonah. And so then they go to Jonah and they begin to ask Jonah all sorts of questions. Who are you? Where are you from? What do you do? Why is this happening? What can we do to make it stop? And it's at that point that Jonah says, okay, this is happening because of me. And, and if you want the storm to stop raging, then all you have to do is just throw me overboard and the storm will cease. And yet at first, the sailors refused to throw Jonah overboard. They would rather risk their own lives and try to figure out how they might survive this storm than they would to intentionally take the life of another human being by throwing that human being overboard to his certain drowning death. And so then something happens in the text that I think is maybe one of the more shocking parts. The sailors begin to pray to Jonah's God. They've tried praying to their own gods. They've tried throwing the cargo overboard. They've tried it by waking Jonah up. They've tried to command Jonah to pray to his own God, which Jonah did not and would not do. Uh, Jonah has told them to throw him overboard, but they don't really want to take someone else's life. They would rather risk their own. So they pray to Jonah's God. But God doesn't answer that prayer. And so after they've tried everything else, after they've tried to row back to shore on their own, uh, they finally give in and they do what Jonah instructed them to do all along. And they throw him overboard. And what do you know? Instantly, the storm stops. And these sailors who were not followers of the one true God 
who had started this whole experience by praying to their own gods, have now prayed to Jonah's God. And now when the storm stops, they begin to praise and worship Jonah's God. Now, the story could have ended right there. You know, if I'd have been writing it, I think maybe that's the way I would do it. And the moral of the story would be disobey God and die. But it didn't happen that way. When they threw Jonah overboard to what everyone, including Jonah, likely would have thought was his certain death by drowning, God rescues Jonah. God sends a fish that somehow miraculously swallows Jonah. And we're told that Jonah was there for three days and three nights, which is the Bible's way of saying it was a long time. That's the reason why I'm telling this story today. When I asked the staff several weeks ago, I told them what we were going to, the sermon series was going to be about and um, what scriptures come to mind for you as you think about 2020 and what it feels like and what God may have to say to us about it. And Reverend Martha, who didn't even show up today to hear the sermon, isn't it? <laughs> Reverend Martha said, you know, I feel like Jonah um, I feel like that I've just been swallowed and, I, and I'm in this place of deep darkness and, and it's scary and it's frightening and it's slimy and it's dirty and, it's, and, and everything about it is, is, is no fun whatsoever. I feel like I am in the midst of this for a long time. I've just been in darkness. What does Jonah do? In the darkness. What does Jonah do when he's been in a place that's frightening to him for a long, long time? He prays. He prays. You know, sometimes life has to chew us up. And then sometimes even spit us out. Like what happened to Jonah. For us to finally realize what we need to do. What we should have been doing all along. And so Jonah relents. Jonah realizes that I can't outrun God. Jonah realizes that there is no place where God is not. And Jonah relents and he prays. And despite his disobedience, despite the fact that he refused to listen to God and to do what God wanted Jonah to do, God rescued Jonah. And God spit him out and saved him. Now, just because uh, Jonah did that and he prayed to God doesn't mean that Jonah's life was smooth sailing for the rest of his life. <clears throat> the reality is that life doesn't really, isn't really smooth for Jonah from what we know. And if you want to hear more about that story, join me at 945 for my Zoom adult Sunday school class. It's really weird, the story of Jonah, because if you're following along, it really doesn't end 
it just stops. We really don't know a lot about what happened to Jonah after he was expelled from that fish. We know that he did what God told him to do. We know he did it reluctantly. We know that he wasn't really happy about it. But the story just stops. It doesn't end. We don't know what happens after that. And I think that was intentional. I think that's what the writer of the book of Jonah wanted to happen. I think it's because the writer wanted all of us to see ourselves as Jonah. Uh, So many times in our lives, we hear God speaking to us. We know what God wants us to do, but we don't do it. We're disobedient. We we've run the other way. We try to outrun God. We try to go somewhere where God will leave us alone. And when we do that, we often end up suffering consequences that we would not have suffered had we just been obedient to God. And the reason why I think the story just stops rather than ends It's because the writer and God wants us to know that we have an opportunity to pen the next chapter of our lives. We can have been unfaithful and unwilling to do what God wanted us to do and be and say. But if we relent and if we pray it changes what the next chapter looks like. Or at least it can. And so I think we were supposed to leave this story wondering what happened to Jonah. And what might happen to us. Amen.